Hey folks, in this episode, we're gonna talk about the confluence of photography and long haul trucking. This is Twit. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rye Shirosky. He is a photographer who's also a long haul trucker and a couple of other things that we're going to dive into. He, he, although he doesn't look at, you know, one of the jokes is, you know, like uh, people that have a million jobs. He has, a, I feel like he has a bunch of skills, but at the top of that is photography, as we're going to see by looking at his Instagram profile and all that stuff. Rye, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Thanks for pulling over to the side of the road to uh, <laughs> to do a podcast. Right? Yeah, you better hurry up. I gotta get back on the road soon. You gotta get back on the road. You know, no. that's cool, man. So yeah, it's it's really interesting. I was telling you before we started recording. This is the first the first discussion I've had with a photographer that is also a long haul trucker and all that. So I want to I want to start a little bit with your pedigree in mm -hmm. and how you got started in photography and all that, and then. Of course, I got a million, million questions about your adventures on the road and all that. So how, how did you get started in this whole image capturing game? So pretty much I went to art school um, in New York back in 2009, 2013, graduated. Um, always had an interest in wanting to travel out west and just in American culture growing up as a kid. Um, my dad's been a truck driver his whole life. So I mean, been doing that for 35 plus years. And I mean, funny enough, it kind of came from, I was at lunch with my parents like two weeks before graduating um, in New York. And we were kind of just talking about plans for after college. And I kind of jokingly said to my dad, knowing that it pissed him off that I'm going to go drive a truck. Um, and then something about it kind of just stuck. And then sure enough, there was a month after finishing school in New York, I was on a Greyhound bus out to Missouri uh, to start the whole process of getting my CDL and diving into over the road trucking, which I then did for an entire year uh, back in 2014. Wow, wow. And then and then the photography side of it, how did the photography side sort of weave into it? Because you're doing it, like, I, you know, it, it seems obvious when I think about it. Like, of course, you're, you're driving across, you know, unknown or maybe known areas and seeing amazing sites all the time. Of course, you want yeah. to document it and create an Instagram profile and share that with the world. Was that the, the original drive behind all this? You know, no pun intended. I mean, I wish I could say it was all a master plan. I had it all figured out, but I mean, it's been now five, six years. And I feel like just recently in the past year, it's kind of come full circle where I realized how it all ties together. So, I mean, I think it was five years of a little bit of kind of running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Um, yeah. But I mean, even on, you know, going back to 2014, that year I spent on the road, when I look back and I know even in 20 years, 30 years and I'm older, um, I'll still look back and feel like that was probably the most important year of my life as a creative, just because I really had no, you know, even growing up with a dad as a trucker, being around, you know, trucking culture to some degree growing up, I had no idea what I was getting into, um, really diving into that world. And, you know, I left New York with a photo degree and, you know, four years of being around the, you know, photo scene in college and had all these master plans i think at that time of i'm gonna go out on the road for a year and come back and publish a photo book and you know xyz and i mean i got out there and within two weeks even a week i was just full force 110 percent, literally living that role and playing that role and it you know got to the point where 
for, I think for a number of reasons, a, honestly, I was intimidated at the time. Um, B, I just, you know, folk chose to focus on just being the trucker. And so I didn't pick up a camera probably for the first four or five months of that year, honestly, just yeah. because I was so encapsulated in the experience and just with the people I was around the landscapes I was around. Um, and then I kind of started also this whole process of just learning how to communicate better with people. Um, Cause you're just, you know, as a trucker over the road, you're driving 500, 600 miles a day, seven days a week living in your truck and it can be isolating, but I mean, you're also stopping pretty frequently um, at truck stops, rest areas, where you're loading, where you're delivering, just different places. So, I mean, you do meet a pretty decent amount of people. Um, and especially if you're really you know, put yourself out there, you can really have some amazing conversations. So, I mean, I look back, like I said, that's why I said, you know, 20, 30 years, looking back to that year, I feel like it's probably the most important year of my life as a creative, because for me, it kind of gave me that time to focus not on taking pictures, but really kind of setting the, laying the foundation for actually being a photographer. And for me, I feel like that step, you know, that first step really relies in how to connect with somebody, you know, regardless if it's someone that has everything in common with you, or has nothing in common with you. So I spent that year really just honing my skills in on being able to approach somebody, talk to somebody. And then when it got to the point where I was photographing people, other truck drivers, people I'd meet on the road, you know, even landscapes, I mean, just because of the structure of trucking, I only had maybe five, 10 minutes most times, you know, to get those photos. And then I had to be on my way or they had to be on their way. So it was kind of this really amazing process of learning how to kind of really dial in with people as quick as possible, you know, as opposed to having all the time in the world to just take your time and figure things out. Yeah, it's a really, it's really interesting. In a lot of ways that, that reminds me of my, my background a little bit in the military and, mm -hmm. and even this podcast, you know, having to have conversations or, or not having to, but the ability to have conversations and build a rapport with people like you and I, we, re yep. we just met a couple minutes ago. Right. And I feel like we can talk. Yep. Right. Um, but exactly. being able, being able to do that is a skill. Right. And I, and I think, like what you're saying echoes like being in the military and being put in situations with other people that you not aren't necessarily forced to get along with them, you know, against your will, but it's yeah. interesting, you know, where are you from? Why, what do you guys do? You know, of this, having those kinds of conversations that builds a, a much more well-rounded human, I think, you yeah. know, not just photographers as well-rounded human versus being insular and like, I've never left my mm -hmm. small town and now I'm going to go out. My only information about other people has been what, you know, has been spoon fed to me. Now I'm yeah. going to go out there, you know, versus actually shaking hands and all that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, even I think for me, you know, I respect everyone's processes. I love learning how other people work, especially as creatives. But I think for me, even early on, I realized, you know, um, as outgoing as I've trained myself to become, I'm naturally an introvert. You know, I draw, I mm -hmm. recharge my energy from, from, from inside. So it's like I have to go out and be by myself. But I know, you know, working on projects, being a photographer, getting into filmmaking, directing, working on more collaborative, creative projects, all entails, first and foremost, connecting and building a relationship with other people. So, you know, for me, even back when I was in my early 20s, graduate, you know, in art school in New York, I already kind of saw that within myself where I was like, you know, I, uh, New York City is amazing. You meet some of the most amazing people. Everyone there is just working so hard to be able to stay there and survive there. But I kind of knew for me, like, all right, I need to just, you know, get out and just really get, you know, as many experiences and as many different people kind of under my belt as possible to really kind of train that up. And for me, you know, I think it's coming from a, a very blue collar kind of hardworking, 
living paycheck to paycheck mentality that I grew up in as a, as a kid with my parents, you know, I think it kind of solidified that idea for me as I became an adult and then realized that, you know, I'm pursuing creativity as a profession that, you know, I kind of have to go out into those places that I connect with most, um, which just happened to be those blue collar environments. Like, you know, I could just walk into a construction site randomly and start just kind of talking to everybody. And, you know, there I am for two hours just learning about everybody, you know, joking around. And I think just kind of bringing a little bit of that creative flair to those environments, I think helps people kind of loosen up a little bit and let their guards down. And I've kind of found that it's really, I can hone in on being able to really connect with people in terms of, you know, if I want to ask them to be photographed or if I even want to just talk to them, learn about experiences, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, it makes total sense. You know, I'm, I'm curious about where, like, where's the where's the goal for you personally as a as as a you know just a human? Are you because I'm seeing just in this short time I'm seeing two halves of a, a very interesting whole, right? So I'm seeing mm-hmm. on the one half, you know, blue collar trucker, you know, making money, making friends, having these amazing conversations on the road, like this old show I used to watch called BJ and the Bear. I don't know if you remember that, but there's <laughs> oh, you got to look it up. It's about this trucker that had a had a chimpanzee as a co-pilot, and they used to get oh, these adventures. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool, really cool. Um, but there, I think of, I see that. And then on the other side, I see this, this creative, this talented creative and I have your Instagram profile here. So, you know, the guy knows his way around a camera and is taking these striking photos, you know, your way around composition. Clearly you can break the ice with people to get the right shots and all that. So if you had to put a fine point on it, like which, you know, things aren't even right. If you had, if you had yeah. your druthers with it, would you be you know the non-photographer person or would it be art related if you had to choose one or the other i mean i feel like that's the question i'm trying to figure out with life honestly yeah i I feel like i you know at this point um you know being 33 i feel like i've bounced back and forth through those worlds um enough times now that i realize that it's just never it's you know it's never a linear path for me it's not ever going to be get to a point where i'm just 100 the creative or 100% 100% you know the the trucker or whatever life I choose to dive into I think you know I'm realizing for me and I think for a lot of people I mean I think that's kind of one of the secret sauces to the ingredients of a successful life if you want to put it is you know living all of these different experiences and you kind of start to see how they complement each other in just mm-hmm. the strangest of ways so you know for me my secret sauce is just this creativity combined with that you know, going out with these blue collar environments and just happen, so happens for me, it's trucking. So it's one of those things where, you know, right now I'm not trucking, I'm not on the road, but you know, in six months and five months, I could go back out. It's kind of, it's kind of always there in me. Um, so I think in that sense, you know, if I had to choose one over the other, I don't honestly know if I could, Yeah. or I feel yeah. like I know I'd be, I'd be lying to somebody if I told them, Oh, you know, my goal is to just be, you know, the hundred percent creative. And even if I got to a point where I was, you know, successful, comfortable, happy, safe and secure, you know, I had 10 million in the bank and could just hang out for the rest of my life. I know there'd still be a part of it wants to go jump back in the truck and suffer a little bit, you know, just yeah. to kind of see where it takes me. Yeah, because why not? But, you know, then with 10 million in the bank, you might be the owner of the trucking company at that point <laughs> and have yeah, a fleet. And you just every now and then the big owner wants to get his hands dirty and get in the truck, right? <laughs> so, I know, definitely. 
Yeah. No, that's really cool, man. So yeah, I'm I'm really curious about what what that world looks like on the road. I mean, we we all, if you're an adult listening to this or watching this, you have been on the roads driving around and you've seen trucks around it. I always wonder what that world looks like and what what a day in the life looks like out there. What what it, is it, like you said you you could be loading or unloading and all that, but from mm-hmm. a wake up in the morning to a go to bed at night, you know, kind of segment for you what describe what that what that is and what that looks like i mean it's really like a it's all over the place you know it's every day is different um which keeps it fun keeps it exciting keeps it fresh but i mean i always describe to people trucking every single day is like literally living through every human emotion possible and then you go to bed and reset and start over the next day and you prepare yourself for that whole spectrum to go through so you know in terms of how a day looks, you know, you're usually up at five, six, seven o'clock if you're not driving late the night before. Um, and you know, you really, your goal is to drive that 500, 600, even 700 miles in that day. And so you're, you know, for the most part, if you're working for yourself or a smaller company, you're really your, your own boss in that sense. So you're, no one's telling you or micromanaging you. So it's, you know, it's a lot of responsibility when you're in charge of an 80,000 pound vehicle, you know, with a truck that's loaded with whatever you're hauling. Um, you know, to get it safely to the place it needs to go. And so you're kind of, it's this whole balance. It's almost like a dance um, where you have to keep yourself composed. There's moments where you do have to step up and kind of really have that confidence to get through certain moments or experiences. Um, But I mean, you're up, you just literally, you know, for me, a normal morning would literally be getting up and, you know, I would usually sleep on the side of the highway or a rest area somewhere where it's quiet just because truck stops tend to be, you know, a little obviously loud. Um, and I just never preferred, you know, squeezing in between two other trucks and then, you mm-hmm. know, being stressed out about somebody ripping my bumper off or this or that. Yep. So I would, I mean, I'd be fortunate to wake up on, you know, some highway, whether it's in the middle of the desert in Arizona or, you know, I don't know, Michigan, Maine, just literally anywhere you wake up. And I mean, I kind of had it dialed in where I would do my little like, you know, shower on the side of the road, you know, just with like a water bottle, my water jug that I had in a towel, get mm-hmm. myself freshened up, you know, do my little workout routine, my pushups, my sit-ups, you know, I have my little free weights in the truck, kind of just get myself going. And then it's literally just hit the road and go, um, you know, you stop for fuel when you need to, you stop for, you know, you try and eat meals when you can, but otherwise, I mean, it's just literally this go, go, go mentality. That's crazy. And what are you, what are you doing, uh, to keep your mind busy while you're driving these 500, 700 miles? Are you, is it, you know, books, you know, audible, just music. Is it podcasts? Like what, what's, what am I hearing inside the cab? Of really everything. I mean, I feel like I've been fortunate where I grew up just listening to all different kinds of music from friends, family. Um, so, I mean, I would just go through my encyclopedia of music, listening to anything from classical to the death metal to, you know, Southern rap. I mean, really just all across the board. There'd be times where, you know, listen to audiobooks, a lot of podcasts, um, just really, you know, whatever feels like it's going to excite you in that moment. Um, and then honestly, there'd be times where I was just tired of all that stuff and just would literally just drive with the windows open and just in complete quiet. But yeah, I mean, in, in that sense where you have that much time on your hands and you're doing a job, it's, it's kind of unique in that sense because you think of most of their jobs, it's like you're pretty busy. You know, it's like if you're working in a job nine to five, or even if you're working for yourself, your mind is pretty much, you know, constantly going about doing that job with trucking. It's doing that. But then all of a sudden you do have these five hour, six hour stretches where 
you know, you're fortunate enough to be on the interstate, you have cruise control on, no cars are pestering you. So you're just driving. Um, and those are the kind of the moments where, yeah, you do dive into whether it's music, podcasts, uh, audiobooks, or even, I mean, for me, I kind of found a lot of times I end up back out in the road when I kind of need a reset, you know, inside. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that time will be literally just like this sort of a self-reflection, um, sort of a meditation, which I think everyone can relate to because, you know, most people have been out on a road trip, whether it's even just driving across their home state or across the country. And there is that sort of trance that you get into on the road when you're driving long distances and trucking. It's like that, but on steroids. So, I mean, yeah. the term I kind of came up with that I, I feel like I always use is it's sort of this blue collar Zen mentality um, that I think is applicable to say something like, you know, being in the military where you take this environment that isn't normally thought of as this very like peaceful, tranquil, you know, get into a trance sort of, sort of state of mind environment. But then all of a sudden you do kind of find ways to do that because you sort of have to at a necessity, you know, with trucking, it's, there's a constant stress of someone's going to cut you off. You know, the straps might break on the load. You're not sure what's going on with the truck. You're not sure if it's going to be snowing in an hour, or if you're going to be stuck in a blizzard. So in that sense that, you know, you kind of have to learn how to, to find the balance of channeling all of those high stresses out, but also still being aware of them. And I think, yeah. you know, that's what ties into that, that sense of that blue collar Zen mentality where you do get into this trance where you kind of just are doing the job, but you're also kind of aware of your environment at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I find the same thing. Like when I'm, when I get out there and I'm driving, um, just around, especially if it's like an hour long trip or something, I get mm -hmm. some of the, some of my best thinking done on those trips. Right. It's yeah. just like, like you said, that, that whatever that trance you fall into where your, your brain is thinking and your, your body's on autopilot and doing all the mm -hmm. rules of the road stuff and your brain is somewhere else. It, it's, it's a weird kind of disconnect. Um, but on that, how do you feel? This is completely off the topic of photography. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're on the road out there and there's these, what, what was it? Tesla is, I think, the first one to say that they're, they're building these self-driving trucks that are going to mm -hmm. be on the road in a couple of years. And yeah, hopefully. yeah, yeah. That should supposedly make things easier. You know, they're still gonna have to have a human mm -hmm. in there, but you know, yep. it's going to make things easier. How do you feel about that whole movement towards self-driving long haul trucking? I honestly kind of love it. Um, I think that's surprising for people who ask me that because it's, it is a pretty common question that, you know, I'm mm. asked or comes up in conversation. But I think just from, being involved firsthand in the trucking industry for five, six years now, and even seeing my dad navigating it, you know, since I was a kid, it's one of these things where it's hard to, it's hard to really kind of figure out where it comes from, but trucking is sort of, you know, in my opinion, 10, 20 years behind everything else. I mm -hmm. think just because, because it is, it is constantly moving so fast and, you know, trucking, there's no company out there that can say, Hey, let's take a day off from trucking and figure out how we can do things better. You know, it's everything is so the margins are so slim for profit in trucking that it's just constantly this. You have to go, 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 go. And, you know, that one minute that you even take to stay on the side of the road is ultimately losing money. Um, yeah. So I think in this way, as you see, you know, the cost of goods go up, especially post COVID, you know, something like you see how lumber and building materials have just gone, you know, skyrocketed. Um, you see inflation. You see, you know, shipping costs going up, all of these things, these rates go up. But at the end of the day, the rates for truck driving don't necessarily equate the same. Um, so, I mean, tying that back to something like EV commercial vehicles, you know, I think it's, I think it's also going to be a really good thing for the industry because I think it's going to kind of give that 
it's going to give the people a little bit of a kick in the ass, honestly, you know, to really reevaluate how things are being done. And, and honestly, I think it brings more, it brings attention to trucking, you know, yeah. truck, trucking is sort of this weird paradox where, you know, it really is the backbone of the country. You know, every single thing we're, we're around, the chair you're sitting in right now, the computer we're talking on, everything, the clothes we're wearing, the food we, we're eating, it's, it's all transported on a truck at one point in time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if trucks just decided to go on strike tomorrow and stop driving, I mean, we literally, supermarkets would be empty, you know, sort of a little bit of what we saw during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's really fascinating that, you know, that necessity is is such an important part of this country but at the same time truck driving the industry sort of goes overlooked or it's not really ever in the conversations um you know you saw a little bit of it where there was a few weeks during covid where there was a trucker appreciation happening and there was you know there was some articles being written about the importance of truck driving and that was really amazing to see but otherwise you know i think it's just one of those things that does go overlooked a lot of times or, or set aside so i think with technology kind of coming up now and trying to incorporate driverless trucking, you know, I think it's something that's ultimately going to be good for the industry because it really is going to bring attention to not only the industry, but also the people that are in it and, you know, helping those people stay, you know, healthy, giving them, you know, a fair, um, you know, cost of, you know, for living because I mean, trucking, it's most people, even if you're doing it nine to five, it's a pretty grueling job and profession. You know, it's, you're not sitting in an office. Um, most of your like, the elements around you are not finite, you know, it's like you're doing a job where it's dictated by how people drive, how the weather mm-hmm. is, and all of those things are very unpredictable. So, you know, in my eyes, most drivers I meet, even the most hardworking, hardest working ones, I feel like they should be making twice as much money as they're actually making. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I want to switch, switch gears a little bit and talk about gear. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you're you are affiliated a little bit with with the folks over at MPB, who's who are a sponsor of this podcast. Tell me about your your what you're doing with MPB and the gear that you're using that you know MPB that that it that came from the MPB engine. How does all that stuff work? Yeah, yeah. So they reached out to me and, and were gracious enough to basically ask if I want to be a part of Photoville, which is a photo exhibition in New York every fall that um, kind of emphasizes the outdoor experience of you know of art as opposed to going inside to different galleries. So they kind of do it. I I think it's throughout all five boroughs, if I'm correct. Um, Mm -hmm. So they invited me to do that and were kind enough to send me out some gear um, to shoot some, to make some new work for that project. So, you know, it's always fun for me because it's like, I honestly, when I'm on the road, a lot of times I'm using my iPhone, you know, I'll literally edit photos, videos on my iPhone. And that's how most, a lot of my content on, on Instagram is from my phone. So it's, you know, it's always fun for me to dive back in and try new equipment because I get that asked that question a lot of, oh, what, you know, what gear do you use? What editing software do you use? And it's always funny to tell people like, you know, for me, I think just because my mind, you know, has 12 different things going on at the same time, I kind of just tend to try and simplify that process. So there's a lot of times we're just using an iPhone is the best solution for me. Yep. So, you know, when all of a sudden MPB sends me you know, a brand new Sony mirrorless camera and a couple of lenses, all of a sudden I feel like I'm like a 12 year old kid again, where I'm running around with a digital camera, having, having a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, what was that like though? Like the, that's interesting. Cause I'm, I'm kind of moving in the, in the opposite direction. Cause I'm, you know, I'm shooting with mirrorless and Panasonic and those, those, mm-hmm. those sorts of, I guess, quote, proper cameras to, you know, yeah. I guess you'd say that here in 2021, right. That that's <laughs> kind of in that transition. Um, but you moving from the larger gear to the smaller gear 
and mm-hmm. having that flexibility and then realizing the power of like the phone and all that stuff is really exciting. You know, and of course, using larger gear for projects that, that need that. But, yeah. you know, if I'm just walking around and I don't have my, my, my kit with me and I have my phone with me, I can still get something that looks really, really good. So oh, I'm, I'm interested yeah. going in the other direction where you've kind of been marinating in the, the small camera flexibility world and then moving to a Sony mirrorless camera and all the power that that gives you. Has it been a jarring move or has it been a, a revelatory move? Like, holy crap, I need to be shooting this all the time. Or, you know, how do you, how do you feel about it? It's kind of somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think for me, I've realized over the years that, you know, the gear you use and the setup is kind of just subjective to whatever the environment is, whatever feels comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I can think back when I was in college and, you know, I, I learned photography through shooting film at first. So I, you know, would spend pretty much every night in college in the dark room, you know, in the black and white dark room, color dark room doing color processing. And so I came from that sort of like a, almost like a purist mentality where even back then I was like, oh, I didn't want to shoot digital. You know, I never even thought about using an iPhone at that point to make most of my work. You know, it was always like, okay, I'm shooting medium format film. I'm even shooting eight by 10 sheet film. You know, I'm going to maintain this purist mentality. And as much as I still love those processes and, you know, I'd love to bust out an eight by 10 camera every now and then. Um, I also think it's just really subjective to that moment you know, where you're at, the environment, your state of mind, what's going to work best for you as the creative. And like I said, for me, I found unless, you know, working on something very specifically, whether it's a commission project or a personal project that I have very well planned out, that's where different gear might come into play where, you know, I decide, okay, I'm going to shoot this with, you know, Sony A9, or I want to shoot this project with me, you know, medium format film. But I think just you know, being in the moment and being able to have something like an iPhone is a really amazing tool because it really kind of levels the playing fields for people wanting to create content, whether it's photos, videos, any of that stuff. And I, you know, I think for me, I've always been really against the idea of like an elitist mentality that, you know, to be a photographer, to be a filmmaker, you have to have this secret talent that other people don't have. And, you know, honestly, I kind of hate that idea. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing that somebody you know say like a trucker you know can all of a sudden have some free time decide to start taking photos of their iphone and then they end up taking you know these amazing pictures that go deeper and deeper and deeper and you know i've been fortunate where i've met people like that on the road that take up something like photography just from having an iphone or an ipad and all of a sudden you know those are the people that i'm most excited to follow on instagram because i see their photos come up and i'm like holy crap this is amazing to see this progress this evolution of somebody that's literally you know, diving into that creative process of learning about themselves and their environment. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, it's a yeah. What I like to say on the podcast a lot is we as photographers or creatives tend to, you know, I guess maybe just humans tend to fall into the trap of the or, right? Well, mm-hmm. I I'm an iPhone photographer, therefore I can only shoot iPhone, or I'm a Sony <laughs> photographer, and you know everything else is crap. So you know, yeah. <laughs> and I shoot with this, and everything you shoot with is the ba- it was a bad decision. You know, where yeah. the reality is, it it is fluid, and mm-hmm. depending on the situation, like some situations, pulling out that big Sony with a big proper quote proper lens on it may not yeah. be the right thing to do when you're on the road, right? Alone, you know, oh, you, may 100%. Not, you may not want yeah. to whip out that $3,000 worth of gear where you're just another dude with a phone, you know, you could get into situations that other gear would be, would cause some sort of 
you know, blockage. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's an, it's an, it can be an and versus an or, I think. Yeah. I mean, even going back to, you know, talking about that first year on the road for me in 2014 and just learning really how to communicate and connect with people as a creative and as a photographer, you know, the kinds of gear you choose to approach somebody that's a complete stranger with really does play a large role in whether or not they're going to trust you, you know, interact with you, feel comfortable being photographed or documented in any way. I mean, you know, that's something that you really have to kind of feel out in the moment, you know? So there's been times where, you know, I remember back on the road and even still now, if I'm working on stuff on the road and meeting, meeting new people, you know, you kind of have, I really kind of feel out what their level of confidence is, their level of comfort, you know, some people more that are more low key, like the idea of just like me approaching them with an iPhone and just saying, Hey, I'm a photographer. I love to just kind of take some photos on the side and, you know, I can kind of see where that's that kind of loosens them up a little bit because there's not all this pressure on them. Mm -hmm. And then there's also people on the other side where, you know, you have the whole camera set up and you have the flash on, and it just, you know, it looks like, you know, what you're doing, you know, from the outside. Mm -hmm. And some people feed off of that, you know, some people love in the sense of the, the attention. Okay. This guy knows, this girl knows what they're doing. So, mm -hmm. you know, they have the gear. So I think it's really just sort of that it's like a real time dance or a play where you have to really kind of navigate with somebody to see what makes them feel most comfortable. So, you know, that kind of, for me, ties back in that idea that, you know, to me, the kind of equipment, the gear I'm using to shoot with is really subjective, totally on the experience. Yeah. And I think we're getting more and more too closer to that, where it's, it's going to be completely subjective as these phones and mobile devices get better and better. I mean, we're in 2021 mm -hmm. and that, you know, just on the iPhone side, the iPhone 13 is ridiculous. Oh yeah. Who knows what 2025, assuming the planet makes it to 2025, but <laughs> you know, who knows what 2025 will bring, right? Cause we're, we're already mm -hmm. kind of like, what was that taken with a proper camera or, you know, an iPhone? Yeah. So yeah, it's really interesting. And it comes down to just the, Hopefully what it will come down to is just the creative vision of the person mm -hmm. and what you use to capture that will be relegated to the old people that used to talk about cameras and lenses and all that stuff all the time. And now it's all <laughs> about the story and the art that mm -hmm. you created and the gear that you use to capture it with is yep. kind of an afterthought. I think that's the, uh, you know, hopefully Definitely. we'll get we'll get there. You know, when 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 uh, a couple of uh, further questions on this. The, then this is just a, a, a curiosity question um, mm -hmm. that I'm going to think about in, a, in about an hour as I'm driving around outside. The <laughs> how do you guys communicate on on trucks? In the olden days, it was CB radio and mm -hmm. uh, you know handles and tin forge, but all that stuff. Yeah, we're in 2021 now. What does that look like? Is it still CB? Are you guys texting? You know what? What? How do you so how do you talk to other truckers? It's, it's kind of a combination of all those things now. I mean. You know, um, I love all the old school super trucker culture within trucking. So, I mean, one of the first things I did when I got my own truck was get a really nice CB radio, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to just like listen to conversations, be able to talk to their people. Um, and so that is still, that's, you know, CB culture is still a thing in trucking. It's not, it's sort of becoming less and less now as technology exists, you know, because it's a lot easier and quicker, honestly, to just jump on your phone and look up you know, what the weather's going to be like an hour down the road or, you know, see traffic updates of, you know, if there's accidents going through some metropolitan area. Yeah. But I mean, there are times where you might not have service on the road because you're in the middle of Montana or somewhere, you know, or it happens in real time where, you know, there's a real time accident a couple miles ahead that 
hasn't hit Google Maps yet, so you don't even have any idea. And those, you know, having a CB radio in those time in those moments is really crucial because you know people do jump on and say, you know, kind of give you a heads up of what's going on. Um, and it's just like it's fun to just talk to people. So, I mean, I loved having my CB radio in the truck. You know, I'd always be yeah. on there every single day, just talking to people. Um, and yeah, like I mean, having handles is still a thing. You know, it's kind what's of your, what's your handle? Right you have a handle? So yeah, so it's funny. So I don't know if you can see, but so I have it on my knuckles actually. So it's actually lover boy, nice. Yeah, which is always <laughs> awesome. like a yeah, which is always like a fun fun conversation starter. But um, yeah, so that was like my CB handle. So people knew me on the CB that I knew as lover boy. But that comes from basically when I first started driving in 2014 when I was working for a large company. The first three months of that, I spent basically living in another guy's truck and he was my trainer so he was the one who really taught me the, all the ways of trucking mm -hmm. and i was fortunate where you know you don't know who you're gonna get paired up with you're literally thrown into a truck with a complete stranger and so you know that dynamic obviously can go south very quickly if just mm -hmm. two personalities clash and i've heard horror stories you know of every possible situation you know and that's but i was fortunate where i met you know guy in his 50s kansas farmer you know, divorced five times and him and I just hit it off and, you know, kind of became sort of like a second dad to me. Um, That's great. And so we worked together. We actually stayed on the truck together for an extra month after, you know, I had graduated to my own truck at that time, just because him and I had such a synergy going and working together. But anyway, you know, him and I would, you know, just really soak in the experiences. And when you're team driving like that, it's, you know, it's pretty much 12 hours per person. So, you know, I would say, wake up while he's driving at eight o'clock and by eight thirty nine o'clock, you know, I take over and then I drive, you know, I drive throughout the whole day and come eight, nine o'clock at night, you know, we switch over to have dinner together and then he'd switch over to driving and I'd go to bed in the back in the sleeper. So, you know, you're really, you're living together in incredibly tight quarters. So it's mm -hmm. like, you really get to know somebody in that sense, but him and I would just, you know, every night, every day have these conversations. I'd always ask him about, you know, being married and, you know, being divorced and just, you know, life experiences. And, and funny enough, at the time, I, I remember re I was reading Liar McMurtry a lot, um, mm -hmm. who I don't know if people are, if they're not familiar with him. He's an American author who wrote Lonesome Dove, um, just all these like very Americana, Texas sort of culture based stories about mm -hmm. relationships and kind of adolescence coming up in the Midwest. So I was just very much, you know, thinking about relationships and love and just talking to him and asking him all these questions at the time. And just, you know, one night he was just like, you know, you're, you don't ever stop talking about, you know, love. You're kind of like a lover boy and it just stuck. So when I got my own truck a few months later, he got me a patch for one of my jumpsuits that said lover boy. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to get it tattooed on me. So I got it on That's my That's awesome. What a great story, <laughs> man. That is, that is awesome. You know, it, it, this is this is fascinating. I'm learning a lot. You're making me want to like go investigate becoming a long haul trucker. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I do that. get out of the house. It's fun. I, I recommend it to everybody, man. No, really, it's a humbling experience. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. So, what 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 are you shooting with right now? What's in what's like besides the iPhone? Like, what what is the? Mm -hmm. You mentioned the Sony body. What what kind of kit do you have around that? Yeah, so right now it's it's the iPhone that I kind of always have on me, obviously, as a phone. Um, yep. I love shooting with that, but, you know, the Sony A9. Um, and then it's funny, I used to always, you know, I think just because I love such framing and composition, I'm having a lot of fun now with shooting wide angle, like, you know, 16 millimeter, even fisheye kind of style. Yeah. Um, just kind of loosening up a little bit. And that's also one of the reasons why I love shooting the iPhone is because they have the wide angle feature. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I've you now got my 16 to 35 lens for the Sony and then a 24 to 70. But like I said, honestly, I keep it pretty simple um, just because that's what works for me. I tend when I get a little too overcomplicated with gear, I kind of get overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, so honestly, it's just for me, it's just having a camera body, a lens or two. Um, I have a flashpoint flash, which is basically like a portable strobe flash, which, you know, is one of the best things I've ever invested in. Um, which literally just looks like a big, you know, it's, it looks like a big strobe light on a, like it has a hot shoe attachment that goes straight onto the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love using that thing. Cause I mean, you can power literally in the pitch black and, you know, and get, and get great pictures. So, you know, that's just kind of my camera, my camera gear in my bag. I have a small bag and just kind of carry it around. Yeah. You know what? If I, I would, if I, if I had the ability, I'm in, I'm in Northern California where we have a fair amount of light pollution. I can imagine you're mm-hmm. traveling across the country in some areas that have very little light pollution. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's an opportunity for some astrophotography and get some shots of the Milky Way, even with the iPhone, right? Oh, that, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Some long exposures out there. That that would be ridiculous with the truck in there. That'd be crazy. I know. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely, I mean, when I was, when I, that's kind of like, that was, I would literally almost every single night be taking exposures of my truck wherever it was parked. That kind of became like a little practice of mine. Like yeah. to the point where, you know, I'd have some 15, 16 hour day, just be absolutely trained where I wouldn't even want to get out of the truck to stretch. I want to just like, you know, just literally hop right in the back in bed and just, pass out but i like that's the point where i was like yeah, i can't do that i got to get out and do my exposure of the truck for the night <laughs> yeah that's so cool see and having having a goal and some kind of anchor right there that drives you to do it where if it's like if you didn't have that okay i need to do a shot of the truck i'm gonna put it on instagram and as part of my mm. my daily routine then yeah. you would just blow it off you're like yeah there's nothing yeah, i'm mean, in a truck stop there's nothing here i'm just gonna go to bed right definitely. i think that kind of ties back to that whole idea just for me I, I think in a weird way you know i think discipline is so important as a creative in that sense mm-hmm. you know which don't always go hand in hand in the obvious sense you know because it's like yeah you want to just kind of be free and loose and in the moment but i think that idea of to, you know to be more and more disciplined as you know buttoned up as it could be as regimented as it could be which doesn't work for everybody, but for me, that's yeah. kind of what I, I find really helps me thrive um, in terms of, yeah, just staying on top of myself to make more and more content. Yeah, love it. Love it, man. Well, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Rai. I appreciate you, you know, yeah, sharing you so a glimpse. No, yeah, anytime. We got to do this again, for sure. Um, but the, a glimpse into the world of the stuff that you're doing and, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I'm a little jealous because I'm in this little... <laughs> Um, here's my truck. This is my truck right here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get to sit here. Um, what's, what's next for you? Like what, what does the future look like either, you know, both in the immediate future, like within the next, the, the last part of 2021 and where mm-hmm. would you like to be? Where do you see Rye and say 2025? What does that look like? I mean, I've definitely got some master plans in the works for sure. Um, yeah. I think I've been fortunate to finally hit that point where, you know, trucking and creativity have kind of come full circle for me so you know now it's about really pushing myself to that next level um i'm spending more and more time in filmmaking and directing i'm actually working on writing a script for what i envision to be either a feature or a mini series uh, that's kind of loosely adapted and based on all my time on the road trucking over the past six seven years um you know i'm actually working on right now which i'm actually really really excited about because I honestly have felt a little bit stale about my work personally for the past few months. And I'm actually working on my first NFT drop. Um, nice. So I'm kind of, yeah, which is really exciting. 
Um, so that's something that, you know, I was looking into a few months ago and felt intimidated because I just didn't know the space well enough and didn't have the confidence there. Unfortunately, just met the right people and, you know, kind of built up a little team behind me. So, you know, we're working on that right now. That's going to drop hopefully in a month or so. Um, which, you know, then gives the incentive to be working on a little bit of a clothing line that's going to be added into that NFT drop. And all this stuff is really themed around truck driving, rodeo, Western kind of vibe. So I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing more and more graphic design, designing shirts, you know, doing all this fun stuff, like coming up with fictitious, you know, Western cowboy store names and coming up with the labels for the shirts and everything. So, I mean, for me right now, it's really taking all of these experiences that I've had over the past five, six years, whether it, you know, it's trucking, rodeo, photography, and now kind of taking all that stuff to the next level, taking on more responsibility and just kind of seeing how far I can expand my creative branch. Yeah, no, that's great. Cause it, it, then it all dovetails together. Right. And it, as you were talking yeah. through that, I'm thinking like, Man, this guy has your you have all the raw materials right now for a book, right? You got the stories, you've got the your articulate to put the words on paper, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. You've got the illustrations, you know? So you yeah, just gotta weave not, it together. One, right? I gotta say, one of the things I'm most excited about, which isn't isn't a definite, but um, I'm kind of in the pre-production talks right now of trying to do a children's book that's loosely, you know, it's kind of based on being on the road as a trucker. So oh, that's cool. something that's something that I'm super excited about. I don't know if it'll maybe be a book or even an animated short series that would live on YouTube or something. But, you know, I think something like that, I th it really gets me fired up because, you know, I always try and focus and maintain that childlike mentality of, you know, just being in awe and being in wonder of everything. And, you know, as as put together and as adult like as I can try to pretend to be, at, you know, at heart, I'm going to always just kind of be a 10 year old running around being fascinated by sunsets and people and you know, everything I come across. So to do like a children's book or an animated series geared towards children is definitely something I'm, I'm really excited about. Do it, do it. And you know <laughs> what else, you know what else you got to do? You have to check out that, you got to find it. I don't know where it is online, but you got to check out mm -hmm. that show, BJ and the Bear. It was, I will. I you absolutely have to will. find it. You're going to, if you find it, you're going to thank me. You're going to email me and say, Freddie, this, <laughs> this is me, man. This is me. <laughs> You, it's gonna Probably, make you want to put yeah. a. It's gonna make you want to go get a chimpanzee and put it. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know, man. You never know. Yeah, I'm full of surprises, so it could happen. <laughs> That's cool. So leave us with this, right? Leave us with um, uh, one story from the road that sticks out in your mind, whether it's you know some crazy person that kept following you or some perilous you know situation you found yourself in or some unexpected goodness that popped up. Yeah, there's got to be a story in your mind that pops out like that time I was driving through Michigan, this thing happened. <laughs> like what, what, what's, what's your story? Okay. I'll, the first one that came to mind is I was actually talking to somebody yesterday about it. So in the story, but last year when I was on the road during 2020, um, it was like February, I think. And I was driving I-80 of Wyoming and I-80 is notorious for, um, blizzards, wind in the wintertime. So it shut down a lot and it literally within 20, 30 minutes, blizzard started coming down, whiteout conditions. I was able to get off the interstate just in time before they shut it down. So I wasn't, I wasn't stranded, but I ended up at this mom and pop truck stop. Um, and I mean, it was just literally just total whiteout conditions. So there's nobody outside. It's middle of Wyoming, nowhere. And there just happens to be a steakhouse open next door. And so I go to the steakhouse, there's nobody in there. So I end up eating, you know, this $50 steak dinner with like eight, waiters and waitresses kind of just watching me in this kind of log cabin fire 
sort of environment, which I feel like shared of the shining. So I enjoy, I enjoy that. I go back to my truck, I hang out and I go into the truck stop and I love, you know, always looking for, like, I love clothes. I love fashion and stuff like that. So when I'm on the road, I'm always looking for, you know, the cool sort of like vernacular trucking slash road, you know, shirts and hoodies and stuff that they sell at truck stops. And I'd come across this pink Wyoming cowboy hoodie. And I was just like, oh my God, I got to buy this. And I got distracted and forgot about it and went back to my truck. And I was like, all right, I'll just go back, you know, when, when the truck stop opens back up in the morning, grab it. And now I just couldn't stop thinking about it the whole night, you know, while, while I was going to sleep. So I end up, yeah, I eventually fall asleep and I wake up at like three, four o'clock in the morning to the smell of smoke. Um, and I actually used to live in Northern California for a little bit when, and some of those bad fires. So yep. like that, that smell of wildfire smoke is sort of almost like a trigger for me at this point. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I smell the smoke and I immediately wake up and I look you know, at the side view of my truck and I just see, you know, 15 police cars, fire trucks, everything. So here I am, you know, in my sweat, like hoodie, sweatpants. I throw my cowboy boots on, jump out, it's still snowing out. It's like, you know, 10 below. It's Wyoming, February. And I look and the truck stops on fire. I mean, there's like, you know, 20 foot flames and there's firefighters out there in, in the 10 below weather, literally trying to put a fire out. Um, and so I was just like, holy shit, this is crazy. So I end up, you know, me being me, I, you know, grab my phone, grab my camera, end up hanging out with the firefighters for an hour or two at like four in the morning, you know talking to them about everything they end up putting the fire out but i mean the moral of the story is that i didn't get the hoodie it burned with the <laughs> with the <laughs> with the truck stop but you got the photos <laughs> i did get the photos yeah and then i mean i guess the actual moral of the story is that then a couple like a week or two later i ended up seeing that same hoodie somewhere else so i was able to buy it Ooh, there so you it go. worked out there but you go the, i guess that moral of the story is if you find something like that like a gem buy it immediately because you never know if it's going to burn down on a fire that night yeah, yeah. This is. I feel like I'm talking to the world's most interesting man right now. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a pretty. That's a pretty like vanilla story. I feel like I could really dive in. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, offline over beers, we'll have a conversation. You're like, oh, dude, oh, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could tell you so some here, tales. Here's here's a cliffhanger that we'll leave because you got to come on again. So you got to commit to coming on to it again because there's so much to explore here. But here yeah. here's a cliffhanger for next time. Uh, I'm going to have to have you go into the meaning behind the bees, like, mm-hmm. yeah, cause I think you, uh, you mentioned that you are moving into beekeeping as one of your, your exploits here. Right. So yeah, I, wanna... bit, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the cliffhanger there is yeah, back at last year in 2020, I started hauling bees across the country for a period of time. So I was hauling, you know, millions of bees taking them from, you know, huge farms in central California to pollinate you know, almonds and whatnot and taking them back to their, their home in Florida. But I mean, yeah, that's a whole, whole crazy world that I was able to dive into and, and really meet some amazing people that are just, you know, living the life as beekeepers in these really rural areas and, you know, doing it right. That's fantastic, man. Ryan, thank you for coming on. Uh, pleasure having you. You will come on again. Well, and Absolutely. by the time you come on again, you'll have made more adventures, I'm sure, and and more <laughs> more creative things. So, yeah. So Definitely. look out for an invite in the in the next month or so. I have you back mm-hmm. on the show and talk about what's going on. I appreciate cool. you, man. And good luck yeah, on the awesome. road. Stay safe Thanks out there. Much. And uh, yeah, congratulations on Photoville with MPB and all that. And yeah, keep crushing it. Definitely, you got it. This is Twitter.